This is Graphically Novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other, but love comic books. I'm Jamie. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we are the Brothers Fugit. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> nice. And on this episode, we're finishing off our Halloween extravaganza with part two of the long Halloween. Um, and I think we had last week two Bells and one Affleck, right? Yeah, yeah, that was Josh. Like. All right, we'll see if the end of the story brings that up. So uh, it's time for the live-action Batman grades, and that was the most appropriate when we're doing Batman stories. But um, from best to worst, the scale is Bell, Affleck, Keaton West, Kilmer, and Clooney. And Sam, you get to go first. I get the honors of giving the second half another Bell. <laughs> it's just one of my favorite stories, and I, I love everything about it, so still a Bell. Nothing changed. All right, Josh, did you break it up? Nope, I'm still Affleck. Still Affleck. What right? a goober. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I, I, I've got some nitpicks. <laughs> Nothing made. I, it's still a high Affleck. I still recommend reading this thing, but it's not. Okay. I don't think it's the greatest Batman I've ever read. It's one of. It, it's good. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. Like, where does this fit on the scale of Batman stories? It's at least top five. Yeah, no, it's definitely good. I mean, it's no all-stars, but it's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's real close. It's a solid read. It's definitely, definitely one. If you're a fan of Batman, you should read this. All right, Jamie, so what are you giving it? Okay, I'm giving it a bail. Um, I think it's a great finish to a great story. Um, I think it's entertaining. It's and it's one of those mysteries where the end is as good as the ride. A lot of times, like a, a good interesting mystery will kind of fall apart at the end, and I don't think this one does that. So I, I you know, can I go higher than the bell? Is like a bell plus? Uh, bell plus, I, yeah. Bell bell plus bell bell plus whatever Pattinson's going to do, like a little ex, extra bonus. So a little extra, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I want to sign up. Still, it may just be a Pattinson. He may be top of the list. We don't know. We'll see. All right. Uh, I can't wait to hear your nitpicks, though. Um, but before we get to that, we have to do the creator credits. And this thing was written by Jeff Loeb, art and cover by Tim Sale, colors by Gregory Wright, and letters by Richard Starkings and Comicraft. All right. Um, so if you want to hear Josh's nitpicks and find out why he brazenly lowered this thing to an Affleck when it so richly deserves to be a bell, stick around past the nuclear spoiler klaxon. wrong with you um <laughs> <laughs> you guys know not? batman's never been my favorite character so i know it's a solid story but you know, it's a great I'm, story. I'm sticking to it it's a solid affleck i'm holding my ground on this one i'm not going to cave <laughs> to the pressure it's all right you're allowed i guess i you're tolerated i'll, I'll put it that way um anyway let's do the bite size breakdown all right, Sam, you, you're first with issue eight. All right, issue eight, Mother's Day. Batman goes to Arkham Asylum to question Calendar Man. While there, a scarecrow escapes. Batman chases him only to catch a straw-stuffed dummy and get sprayed with fear gas. Holiday kills again. The victim is Gunsmith that makes custom twenty-two pistols. Bruce visits where his parents were murdered. Gordon wants to talk to Bruce, but still, under the influence of fear gas, Bruce panics and runs. They find him crying on his mother's headstone. All right, and chapter nine is Father's Day. 
Uh, and we open with a flashback of Thomas Wayne saving a young Carmine Falcone's life. In present time, Sal, the boss Maroney, visits his dad Big Lou for some advice when Holiday shows up and shoots Big Lou. Harvey's cheese slides a little farther off his tracker, <laughs> and Falcone hires Scarecrow and the Mad Hatter. The issue closes with Maroney offering to team up with Dent. All right. Uh, <laughs> how do you give this an athlete? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right, chapter 10. Uh, Independence Day. Uh, it opens with Holiday talking... No, taking out the Gotham City corner. Meanwhile, under the same fireworks, Selena and Bruce are having a romantic moment when they both bail on each other when the bat signal goes off. Uh, he, Batman meets with Dent, who seems to be burning out. Uh, Sophia Falcone visits Sal Maroney in jail, and it turns out that they're an item. Uh, Gilda and Barbara have a very interesting conversation. Then Batman leaves the scene of the investigation to go and beat the stuffing out of Scarecrow and the Mad Hatter. Catwoman lends a paw before her advances are rejected. <laughs> Poor Batman, or poor Catwoman. All right, so issue 11 is Roman Holiday. Gilda confronts a pistol she found. Batman finds Riddler in a bar, drunk and scared. Batman wants to know what he has seen on April Fool's Day. Maroney is at, is at trial and being questioned by Harvey when he throws a violin in his face. Harvey is rushed to the hospital where he kills his doctor and escapes. Holiday strikes again and kills Carla Falcone. All right. okay. And then Chapter 12's Labor Day. Uh, and from now on, I'm calling Dent, I'm calling him Two-Face. He's officially Two-Face in my book. So yeah. Two-Face makes friends with Solomon Grundy. Batman confronts Falcone and asks where Two-Face is, but he doesn't know. Batman and Catwoman do the fight flirt uh, a few more times. Uh, Batman <laughs> then asks Gilda and the Calendar Man where Two-Face is to no avail. Gordon decides to move Maroney to a safer location when Holiday strikes again and shoots Maroney. Right, chapter 13, Punishment. So, moving Maroney was a ruse, and Batman takes down Alberto Falcone. In jail, Alberto rejects his father and embraces being Holiday. Two-Face Two -Face breaks a bunch of the baddies out of Arkham, and they, Stanley wrote that sentence, I couldn't say it, um, <laughs> out of Arkham, and they pay Falcone a visit. Batman tries to break up the party, but Two-Face executes Falcone. Catwoman switches sides again, and Sophia ends up falling, up, falling out a window. Harvey pays a visit to his former assistant and kills him for being on Falcone's payroll. Harvey turns himself in and drops the hint that there were two holiday killers. In the very last scene, we see Gilda burning the evidence that she had also been holiday and that she believes that, Har that Harvey was also holiday. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so were there three? That's what I, I think I there were. So you want to jump into the story then? Yeah, let's do it. Save your first on story. Okay. So, in the story, you know, I love the mystery part of this thing because I just what how yours ended. It's open ended. I, I think it can go either way. His Harvey might have done one or two of them. Gilda might have done like the first three. Cause I think yes, the first three murders. Then Harvey done the rest, maybe, or did Alberto do the rest? I mean, it's it's very intriguing to me. Like, but Alberto's claiming he done them all, which we know for a fact he didn't because Gilda claimed the first three. Yeah. And I apologize, I did tell you wrong. I, I thought she was just hiding evidence for Harvey when we talked about it earlier. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just how everything twists and twines together and, and the flow of the story, I, mean, I think they've done a, an amazing job. I still think this is the strongest part of the pyramid. And uh, I have no no complaints about the story. 
I think it meanders a little bit, um, trying to like serve service the holiday gimmick. Um, like Roman holiday, a birthday is like one dude's holiday. That's not really a holiday. <laughs> yeah, I think they were struggling that month for a, a real holiday. Yeah, and and it feels like there's a little bit of like you know we we gotta we gotta do the 13 issues. We've got to do the holiday each month. We got to pad, and there's a little bit of padding, but not enough mm. that I'm, I'm mad about it. And it's and it's so well told that it it, it keeps you compelled. Uh, we did me anyway. But yeah, I'm still. I, I, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I I felt like some of that padding in, in uh, issue uh, 12 that I done. Uh, Batman just four different people. He goes and asks, "Where's Dent?" Like. You're the greatest detective in the world. Your <laughs> gambit to find Harvey Dent is to go ask his wife where Harvey Dent is, and then to go ask Calendar Man, and then to go ask Falcon. It's like, okay, Batman, let's let's do something besides just asking everybody where he's at. I felt that was maybe some filler time. Yeah. No, if he had kept taking Solomon Grundy dinner, he'd have found him. That's true. That's yeah. true. Thanksgiving. Uh, and then, uh, and I thought the ending, uh, like you said, it's a little disambiguous, but I, I would have liked for him to just wrap it up. Because uh, I, I agree, yeah, Gilda killed the first three, who were all Falcone people. I think Dent did kill Alberto, and then I think after that it started being <laughs> he didn't kill him. He, Alberto's not oh, dead. He, he yeah. tried to kill him. I'm sorry. He <laughs> attempted murder. Attempted murder. Yeah. Uh, but then I think after that I went back and looked. The killing started being Maroni's people, and I think it was Alberto trying to take out. Mar- Dad. So I think he did do the last killings after his. He killed the coroner so he wouldn't reveal that Alberto was not dead. He killed Maroni's men to help his dad's family out. So I, I think Alberto did do the the last couple killings. Yeah, uh, I, I think so too because I mean the kind of the only reason they kind of throw hints towards uh, uh, Harvey being the killer is because she thought he was. Doesn't mean he really was. It was kind of like I said, it was open ended there. Right. So we don't know for sure if Harvey even did anything. Well, we know he yeah. killed the. Uh, the Roman for sure, and then yeah. that little understudy guy. So he, he can face right. those two. Yeah, I'd, but those were holiday I, killings. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, there there was a couple of different threads. I think they don't pull them together quite as neat and as tight as I would have preferred with some of the story stuff. Uh, well, I don't think they wanted to though. I mean, I think this is the kind of like story where everybody like you know you wrap things up enough, and then there's like you know, you know, there's still like you know, bits hanging, like, you know, yeah. some questions yeah. still to be asked. You're doing a mini series and it's four issues or five issues. That's cool. I'll fill in the gaps. You gave me 13 issues. Just give me the whole story. I don't want to have to fill it in. It was, it was 13 issues. Like <laughs> you can lay it all out for me. Well, I, I think they were kind of leaning into that whole noir thing. And a lot of noir stories sort of end mm. that way with a little yeah. bit of an ambiguous ending. So, and I kind of like it too. Like that. I, I really do. I, I do too. Yeah. So that's, let's just talk. That, to you. that was one of my main nitpicks. That's probably why I dropped <laughs> it down. I just want to know for sure who it was. <laughs> well, so we know for sure it was at least Gilda and Harvey done the two at the end. Now the middle ones, it could be it could go either way. Like so I do think either Harvey attempted to kill Alberto or he faked his own death, so he could start doing more of the killings. See, I, I think there's a chance that Harvey attempted to kill Alberto, and when he survived, it, he went a little. And decided yeah. to embrace being holiday, and he did the rest. I, I think that's, they all, that's my feeling. Yeah, yeah. And, and I got the feeling too that we leaned a little more into some of the character work than the story. Like I said, I felt like we found the natural break in the thirteen issues, but the first seven felt kind of more story heavy with the with the mystery part. I felt like these last six were a little heavier on some of the character work and some more of the character interactions. 
Yeah, so, I think you're right. I, I think I think the focus shifted from the murder mystery to how people are dealing with family issues with deaths and stuff. And I think I think that slowed it down some, but um, like especially with like the Mother's Day and Father's Day issues. I mean, that was a definite yeah. slowing down of the pace, but it was so interesting and um, peek into like who Bruce Wayne is and what's making him tick, and all, I, mean, I, that it, I didn't mind. Like I, I wasn't bored, even though the pace slowed down some. Mm-hmm. I agree. Even when they when he caught Alberto, he was taking out all his frustration through that year owning, and then Gordon had to stop him. Like you know, can't let you do something you'll regret, and I'll regret. Because he was like, I'm doing this for my father. Sometimes you have to cross the line or whatever he was saying. I can't remember exactly. But but he was he beat the toilet guy, stomped his hand and stuff. It was pretty brutal. I think he was choking him, too, when Gordon stopped him, wasn't he? Yeah, he was choking him. Yeah, punched his face. And he literally broke both his arms and crushed his hand. And it was back man to tops there. <laughs> brutal. Yeah. It, was, it was almost chainsaw-level Batman. Yeah, almost. <laughs> That was the Dark Knight. He was he was doing Dark Knight <laughs> stuff. There. It was the Dark-ish Knight. He's not quite there yet. The All right. First thing. Is, anything else on story? Nope. It was awesome. All right. Uh, Josh, lead us off on art. All right. Uh, it, it's the same art from the first seven, so I don't have a whole lot of fresh takes <laughs> on it. Uh, I will say they stepped up the Superman or the superhero Batman poses. They, he's mm. having some pose-offs. There's a lot of full-page panels. I mean, they they went with the big-picture stuff, and uh, it was good. Uh, it was good just like it was in the first issues. Uh, I will say there was a couple of times, though, when the proportions got off. Uh, I think when he was down in that tunnel, uh, when you first revealed that it was Batman in the, the uniform, his arms are way too big for his body. He's got, like, a small little head. So there, there was a couple of times where proportions got just a little bit off on, on the big full-page spreads, but... Not really solid, really good. Yeah, and his cape was phenomenal. Again, it was everywhere. It was growing <laughs> it was and like shrinking. Cape. Yeah, it was a spawn cape, but it was black. It was. It was all I, don't, man. I don't like the crazy cape, man. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then it was cool. Like 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 when he was fighting stuff, it was like normal cape. Like when he stopped doing his poses, it grew like ten foot for him. Yeah, it was cool when he was on the roof with Gordon sometimes, and it was in a lot of shadow and stuff. It, and then it was kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of Look at page yeah. 194.2. Uh, it's the second panel there in the middle of the page. Is this is this cake made out of smoke? I mean, what's going on? Hang on a second. What page 194? 194. The, 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 big page, the big panel in the middle of the page. What is that? It's awesome is what that is. Yeah. So somebody's, somebody's cake is doing his pose, man. Get it, locked it looks like it's on fire on the bottom. Those look like if flames it, or if something. If he had him from like the kneecaps up, I'd have been like, man, that's a cool Batman pose. Like I see the rest of that mess. It just, I don't like it. Yeah. And then a uh, couple pages over on 196. There is no way his cape is that long. <laughs> so I said it grows when it does his poses, man. Uh, but Spawn, it makes sense. The suit's like a living thing. and He's just got some material on his back. I don't like it. If you go one more page over, he does his uh, more pose. His uh, his he's the most barrel chested human in history. His <laughs> chest comes out past his elbows. Like that's not that's not how the human body's formed. Yours doesn't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> not normally. Yeah. Anyway, no, I I I don't I don't good. like when the the cape gets insane. I don't I don't care for it. It bugs me. You're right. It does get kind of crazy sometimes. It was still pretty good. Just saying. 
sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Josh. So just you were you were going like waxing poetic about how great the cape was, and I couldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I was waxing poetic about it, but <laughs> it's pretty good. All right. Um, I, one thing I have to say too on art is before we jump off to this, is like when Bruce was under the fear gas in the Mother's Day special at the end, man, they drew him looking scared really well. When he was running, the panic you see on his face, they got that across really well. And his delusional when he's seen the gunman and stuff, that was that was amazing little end to that, that chapter. I, I think it was the best stretch of the art in the entire book. Mm-hmm. Um, well, once once he gets gas, we don't have to look at the weirdness that is Scarecrow anymore, to the end when he's at the grave. I mean, it's yeah. just, I mean... If that, if that was set in like 1952 and he was just a, you know, you know, gumshoe detective or whatever, um, I, I mean, it would have been great. It, it, was, it, it fit perfectly and it was just, it was so good. Okay, um, so I complained last time about how the Joker looks. Um, I have similar complaints about Scarecrow and the Mad Hatter. They yeah. just look silly. You guys saying this is the 90s. They were getting their feelings, their their feet for the, the new way they're trying to do these characters. I guess. But they just don't look scary to me. Like, they don't look like they would be threats to Batman. No. They wasn't, was they? I mean. Not really, but. Um, see, it makes me wonder, because I'm I'm kind of reading, I'm reading at Nightfall. It's not as good as this. Um, but I'm uh, probably 30 issues deep, and I, that was the biggest event ever. Um, but, like, that's the way they look there, too. Like, and I'm wondering if there was some kind of, like, you know, um, a company-wide mandate. Okay, this is how the scarecrow looks. You have to draw the scarecrow like this, and Tim Sale didn't have a choice. Yeah, because because on this bit, yeah. So mid nineties, this is how scarecrow looks, and it's ridiculous. This is how the Joker looks, and it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't remember seeing the Mad Hatter in this era, so I assume he looks silly then too. Um, <laughs> but I said, so I'm wondering if they had just let Tim Sale loose, if he could have improved those character designs, and it would have. I think it would have helped the story if these characters were more menacing. And we're more intimidating. And you could really believe them as threats to Batman. I think yeah. I think it would have helped the story even more. I think so, too. They almost feel like a comic relief. Whenever we're together to talk about tea and cookies and he was singing the <laughs> Baker Man song. I'm like, eh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird. Uh, yeah. And then I, I thought Alberto looked really weird, too. I didn't like the way they done him. Uh, especially his mug shots. I don't know what they were doing with that. That's straight up, like... 20s Muggsy kind of guy. That's, yeah, that's what it was criminal like stuff. Like Dick Tracy or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm saying, laughs> yeah. so that's where the proportions got real off on Alberto's face. Uh, and uh, I thought his whole thing was weird. Uh, all, all, all the all the panels he's on are, are weird. Yeah, he's rotates between being like this like weirdly angular face with like these gigantic you know <laughs> wings for ears on the side of his. I mean, it was just it was yeah. strange. I will say the one panel on uh, page 313 uh, in the middle, the big one, where his face is in shadow, but then his eyes are lit up eyes. behind his glasses. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That was his yeah, best that, one. That, 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 because I guess maybe I couldn't see the rest of his face, so I, I, maybe I like that the best. But he, he changed how he was drawn. Like, the ears stayed gigantic, but the face widened out a little bit. Once 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 he got caught and changed glasses, it's like they, I mean, he changed the face to fit the glasses or something, but. Uh, um, I thought the mood setting was really good. Um, like whenever we really needed to feel something, like Tencel put us in the mood for it. Like he really set the scene very well. I thought that was really strong. Mm-hmm. And I felt like some of the face art improved. Um, it did. I like, think it did. 
Yeah, I think Gilda especially. Um, the face art was better toward the end. Like, like, he, like he really got a feel for how to draw her the longer the series went on. Yeah, Gilda and uh, Barbara. I think yeah. both of them. I don't think Gilda really changed that much. I think he just captured her expressions better. Like yeah. she still kind of looks like Gilda from the first uh, couple issues, but her expressions, I, I think, are coming through a little better. I think you're right. Yeah. All right, yeah. It, once again, there's not a lot to add on that section because we just yeah, we've already done it. it. We already covered it all. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, we'll move on to characters, and um, I felt like this was the. The, the, for, well, we're divided in half. This is where he sort of shifted gears, like we were talking about earlier. We sort of leaned into the characters versus the plot. I think he nailed it. I mean, the, the Mother's Day and Father's Day issues were so interesting. Get, getting a look sort of behind the cowl and behind the Bruce Wayne eyes and really see what's going on in there. What do you, you know, what's going on? Um, like, the th- he gets it with a fear gas. He goes right back to that alley and it's his mom that he's missing and he ends up back at the grave. And then the Father's Day issue by the end, he's he's just talking about his talking to um, uh, Steve Buscemi there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why I forgot the name Alfred, um, but uh, and so he's talking to him about about his dad. And he's just he misses him, you know, and he's crying on the stairs there. And it was just really powerful stuff. And mm. um, that, those kind of in depth character studies were um, were really good. But my favorite part was the finish to the Harvey Two Face story. Um, I love that guy. I mean, I think I think he's probably I waffle back and forth, but I think he's probably my favorite Batman villain. And, but I, and I love the way the storyline develops here. We see him, you know, beginning, you know, increasingly willing to bend the rules. Um, we see him getting weird in the basement. <laughs> yeah. What he's doing in the basement gets increasingly strange as the story <laughs> goes on. At first, he's just you know, got a workshop down there. Then he's like holding a gun. Then he's in his chair ranting. I don't. It's just it's. And then and then after the um, the acid exfoliation thing on his face. I mean, he goes and visits um, Solomon Grundy, and I think I think that's the moment where he becomes Two Face mm-hmm. um, when he learns that you can live two lives. And uh, so I think I think in his own mind, and something fin- finishes snapping in his brain, and that that's the point where he full on becomes Two Face and is someone else. Um, I had a question about that too. How did he know about Solomon Grundy, or did he just happen to stumble across him? I think he just happened. I think it was the sewers. Yeah, I think he was just hiding out in the sewers and happened across Solomon. Yeah. Well, I think he was hoping to run into some mutagen and mutate back into normal Harvey, <laughs> but he didn't. But he didn't find the turtles, and he got yeah. stuck yeah. with Solomon Grundy. So he didn't yeah. find Splinter down there. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't learn karate. It would have been better. Uh, but yeah, and so but then he, then he goes on the killing spree. He goes after Falcone. I, and then you know, for a for a for a district attorney, the first thing he does is goes and lets a bunch of the uh, goes recruiting in Arkham Asylum, which is you know t- something's changed, not just the face yeah. there. And then he goes, and then he goes and executes Falcone, takes out his assistant, um, and then there's that. I, I love that last conversation he has with Batman and Gordon on the roof. I just thought it was really telling, and you can kind of see some of like Harvey is still in there. As much as he wanted him to go away in the sewers and begin this new life, there's still Harvey there, and mm-hmm. I just—it's interesting. Like before, I was talking about how much I, lo- I liked watching Harvey to see wh- where the crazy Two Face part is starting to poke out a little bit. Now it's the reverse. Now that he's Two Face, you kind of see, okay, where's Harvey sort of sticking around? Where's the Harvey poking out? It's—it's it's yeah. just—it's it's interesting. Man, I still don't know how he got stuck on the the two. So he said he—he's. Uh, was said fascinated with the number two because like when he was talking, Batman was talking about like talking about two killers, the twenty-two pistol. There's a lot of twos to do with him, and not sure how that actually happened. But I know his dad gave him that coin. He scratched one side in this story, 
to have become the justice on one side and uh, punishment on the other side. That's why he flips the coin. But uh, besides that, uh, I think Alfred had a pretty good character moment when uh, Bruce was on trial and they was talking about it. Uh, and he's on there defending Bruce and talking about his dad and all that stuff. And then as soon as uh, he gets done talking, Gordon's like, yeah, we just lost. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really interesting that Alfred had that strong character point, too. Yeah, I always like when Alfred steals a scene or steals a moment because, yeah. you know, he's always in the background doing stuff. And I think sometimes we, we take for granted how much help he is in creating Batman because without Alfred, I don't think we get Batman. I don't yeah. think Bruce Wayne can do the Batman stuff without Alfred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, when he gets to shine on, on, a, on a moment like that, I always appreciate that. Uh, and then, uh, Jamie, you, you mentioned on uh, the uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day issues, seeing, you know, Bruce kind of melting down a little bit. Uh, I, I like when we get to see how much the death of his parents affects him. Because we always, we get jokes about, oh, he's a grown-up that dresses like a bat. And we always kind of poke fun, like he's a little bit mentally unstable. But it's always kind of in a joking, oh, he's kind of, he's goofy, you know, he's he's a weirdo. Uh, but then to see just how much traumatic effect that had on a young child losing her parents like that, I thought that really just illustrated, you know, it drove him to dress like a bat and go out and fight crime. Like, you know, we joke about that. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, his parents died and he's, he's dressing like a bat now. Like, this really illustrates how much that actually affected him. Uh, and I think some some Batman stories don't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they kind of gloss over the death sometimes. It makes you wonder, too. We're talking about, you know, Alfred, how much help he is to him. Is Alfred helping him or enabling? Enabling. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, even Alfred even says that on Father's Day one when he's on the stairs crying because he misses his dad. Alfred says, I wonder how you would have turned out if I'd been a better father to you. That's another little Alfred moment. I was like, man. So but it's, I, it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, but I'll, I'll joke inside about him enabling Batman. I mean, I think what, what mental health there is in Bruce Wayne is the, the direct result of Alfred being in his life. Yeah. I think if Alfred wasn't there... <laughs> we would have a Punisher. Me. He would be more yeah. like a Punisher than... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> His his no guns rule would probably not exist. Yeah, he might have a no like grenade launcher rule. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it a single shot. We'll use machine gun this time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, th- there was a lot of character work in this more than in the first ones. I thought, uh, and it was good. And and they they focused more. They kept that family theme going. You see that with Sophia and uh, Falcon when she's trying to give him the Father's Day present. Like there was a whole rash of Father's Day stuff. Uh, she was trying to give him. Pre- he just blew her off. Then you see the tie uh, Gordon's kid made him and how appreciative he was. And then you see Gilda, and uh, I think they do a flash with her looking for Harvey and stuff. So there was like a lot of stuff with the family going on. They they, they leaned into it more uh, in those. Uh, I really enjoyed the um, the way they played with the relationship between Selena and Bruce and Catwoman and Batman. Like it was completely two different relationships. It was just the same two people. And, and it makes you wonder, okay, does one of them know yeah, that was in my that was in my notes. And and if it is, which one? Or do they both know and they're both a little off and this is like an extra part of the game in their relationship? I mean, do I, they I, <laughs> I don't know. I think they both know because she used the same line on him twice in the same issue. Yeah, I noticed I mean, that. Yeah. yeah. And, and he didn't notice it. He's the world's greatest detective. He should have caught that. I think he does. I think they both know and they're just playing the roles. Uh yeah, I, I, I thought she knew. I was getting a vibe that she had an idea of who was who. Well, she had to when she saved him from Poison Ivy. Yeah. 
Or, but but at the same time though, like or or does she like like them both and pick me different people? Like whichever one takes me up first, I'm out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> give the same offer to different guys. Whoever takes the ticket gets on the plane. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Whereas, like you know, Batman is Bruce Wayne. It's weird, like the 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 way his mentality, like when he's with Selena as Bruce Wayne, he's like, yeah, I might give this up for her. You know, what would it take for me to give this up to be with her? And he's all in on that relationship. But when he's Batman and she gives him the exact same line. He's like, yeah, this is the price of independence. And he like pushes her away. I'm like, <laughs> like, what's in your head? <laughs> so you're like, I, I don't, it's just, it's wild to think about the way, the dynamics of that dual relationship. I mean, it's. And then they're with it too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I don't know how Batman can, can know because like, because of that dynamic of him, like, you know, being tempted to leave with Selene and give it all up, but, like pushing Catwoman away. And like, yeah, I got to have my independence. Like, there's no way he knows. But there's a chance she knows. Yeah. Uh, again, these are two grown-ups that dress in full skin tight suits <laughs> and go jump around on buildings in the middle of the night. Like they're probably not making the most rational decisions all the time. But he got they got the bat signal and they both both left, you know, so they should know something was up. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else on the pyramid, guys? Nope. I think we covered it. Wanna give us some awards? Let's do it. Can you dig it? And these are the things we dig most in Long Halloween Part 2. Sam, best cover. Of course, it's going to be 302. It's the last one. Chapter 13, The Two-Faced Pumpkin. I think that's the right answer. That's correct. Aha. There was a couple of other good ones in these last six, but I think that one won. I think that's the one, yeah. That's a good one. My favorite was on 257, Chapter 11, Roman Holiday. Yeah, I've seen that one too, yeah. Yeah, I love that one. I love the way they've got the tears on the cake, got the face of the Roman behind them, and, and it's got the three figures on the cake, Batman, Gordon, and Dent. I just, mm-hmm. I love that. I love the imagery, and yeah, yeah. it's cool. I, I think the Falcone's face as a background seals the deal with his eyes and stuff. Yeah, it's I, cool. I think that really sets it off. Yeah. But there were a lot of good ones. Um, I thought the Mother's Day and Father's Day were both were both really good covers, too. Yeah, they were. But you'd have to pick those back-to-back, though. The ones as yeah. a child and ones as an adult. All right, uh, Josh, best character. Who you got? Uh, I'm going with uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman in this one. I think getting, a, getting to see a little bit of the uh, effects of his parents' death uh, in real time <laughs> as an adult with the fear gas. Uh, it just kind of gives you a little more insight to why he does the things he does, and I just I like I like seeing, like I said, the the dual dual duality to him with Selena and stuff. He had a lot going on in these last couple issues, so Batman or Bruce, either one. All right, uh, I'm going with another dual natured character. I'm going with Harvey slash Two Face. Um, I just find the guy so fascinating. Um, the the all of the psychosis stuff he's got going on. And I love the way that that the retailing is done. I think this is my my favorite sort of reimagining of of the way Harvey Dent becomes Two Face. Um, yeah, it's it's just really good. And okay, same. Yeah, I, wanna, you're I, wanna, right. I, I say I agree with you. I, I, I put Harvey Dent slash Two Face. He, he is definitely the show stealer at the end of this book. And I love, like you said, the retelling. And this is my favorite Two Face story. How he becomes Two Face. I do want to mention Gilda. I think by the end, Gilda has become a really fascinating character, but she doesn't get a lot of panel time. And she's, I mean, only sort of becomes a main character at the very, very end. 
That's four pages. Okay. Uh, best panel. Um, panel, not page. Josh. I know. I know. I've I actually picked thing. a panel for this one, believe it or not. <laughs> Go to 285. I had a four way tie. Yeah, use Waffle. Yeah. 285. 285.4. It's one on the bottom. It's yeah. uh, Gordon and Batman are having an argument, and Batman is leaving. But he, he doesn't disappear the way he normally does. And the way that that shadow lengthens all the way across the roof and falls on Gordon that way, uh, it's yeah. just, it, it, it looks cool. It looks like it's Gordon's shadow is Batman. It is cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. When you got Batman in the dark because he's on the other side of the law, then you got Gordon, you know, very brightly the colored. Light. He's the good guy. He's the shining light of reason. <laughs> Those two. So, yeah, that was, <laughs> thought that was a good one. That was that was one I was going to mention. If All right, well, so... My pick is page 264, panel one. And let me make sure I got it right. Yeah, that's the Batman pose over top of Riddler. I just love how he's standing there just looking menacing at this little drunk, shaking man. <laughs> and his mild long cape again. Oh, I hate that cape. Um, but I just like his pose. He's just he's <laughs> stern, angry looking face kind of in silhouette. All right, Josh. All right, for uh, best panel, I went, uh, uh, I got two. Well, I'll give it 344.4. It's uh, Gilda when she's down there in front of the furnace getting ready to burn the evidence and the light shining on her face. I thought she was kind of ominous looking there. Like, I thought that was a good show. She's not the only one in the Dent family that her cheese uh, <laughs> was falling off the cracker. Yeah, that, that panel makes me think, like, you know, if she had done the holiday killings with an axe, it still would have believed it. I mean, she yeah. kind of has that, you know, that look. <laughs> right, right. And then and I, I got to run her up. I got to mention real quick. I don't want to okay. get over to it. Uh, it's 241. It's the top panel. It's uh, it's just a yeah. close-up of Batman's torso. And it's just, it's a really tough-looking Batman. I, I don't know why that one struck me. The color is kind of different. It's because you can't see the cape. Yeah, that's what it yeah. is, I think. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I just wanted to mention that. I thought that was one of the cooler Batman poses that wasn't a full panel. Okay, well, I'm going to throw one of my runners up. Um, I had a bunch, though. Uh, 207.4, I think, was my actual full-on runner-up. And it's uh, it's the big panel in the middle of the page when he's running mm -hmm. scared down the alley. It yeah. just, it looks like it should be a page from, like, a Ed Brubaker crime story. Like, that, that could be a page from Criminal. Yep. They done so good with it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sam, best dialogue. All right. So I, will, I went a little different on this one. This is when he was getting revenge back on Scarecrow. It's on page 251 because he was so mad. Batman was so mad that he got fear gassed and made him relive his childhood nightmares of seeing his parents get murdered in front of him. So he goes, uh, so uh, during the escape, I inhaled some of the Scarecrow's fear gas. My mind was violated. My childhood fears of my parents' murder overcome me. I try not to enjoy breaking Crane's ribs. I just loved that he had that little twist it, you know. That's good. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I wanted to say, starting on page 344, it's Gilda's monologue in the end, where she's talking about, you know, Harvey's her Apollo. He can do no wrong. Uh, so I, I kind of like that, but... Uh, what I settled on was page 285, Jamie. It's the conversation uh, Gordon and Batman are having. 
And, uh, you know, Batman saying he refuses to believe that it's Harvey. And Gordon says, what if you're too close to the situation? What if your judgment's impaired? What if you're wrong? And Batman says, what if I'm not? And I just thought that was, you know, Batman never giving up on his friend. You know, it shows his loyalty. And I thought that was a good, good statement. Uh, I thought it was funny, though, because when he's talking to Alfred about it, he totally is like, yeah, it's Harvey Dent. I got to find Harvey Dent. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got the Batman mask on, so he's in his other personality. Pretty sure Batman's schizophrenic. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Bruce Wayne was put on trial by Harvey Dent. Bruce Wayne doesn't like Harvey Dent. Exactly. Batman loves Harvey Dent. They made a deal to take Falcone <laughs> out, man. They're they're buds. Well, you know, he was he was relieved when he found out it was a Alberto that was a holiday killer. He, he was relieved. He's like, oh, it's not Harvey. I'm, I'm glad it's not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so my my best dialogue is uh, it's on pages two eighty to two eighty two. It's that conversation between Two-Face and, uh, well, so it's still Harvey at this point, Harvey and Solomon Grundy. Um, and the way he sort of teaches him the rest of that rhyme. And mm-hmm. when he comes to sort of um, his own realization. So it, my, my actual best dialogue is the end of the conversation there at the bottom of page 282. He says, is that what you did? Did you die and come back? Can a man live two lives? And then I think that's where the last little thread of sanity breaks in his head. It just snaps. And now he's Two-Face. See, as soon as he he physically has the two faces and then he stabs his doctor and runs away, I'm like, that's (laughs) Two-Face. That that for me was when you stab the doctor trying to save your life and run away from the hospital, you're officially a criminal. That's that's it. Well, we've seen Harvey coming apart a little bit. Like the seams are getting frayed already. And I I think he's a man like, you know, at his wit's end and losing it in the hospital. Um, he's, he's cracking up, but I think that's the, I think that's, that's the end of the process there. All right. Uh, best full page spread and man, these last six issues <laughs> felt like every yeah, third page was a full yeah. page spread. Uh, so Josh, what was your best one? I'm glad you need to go first on this. Cause you always pick the full page. So you should have had like, it's already nailed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Just saying. I, we're going to go to page 280, just two pages from your dialogue, and it's the close-up of Harvey's uh, face behind those bandages with his eyes you, sir, and stuff. You, are correct. I, I agree. This is my favorite, yes. too. I win one. There was okay, a lot it, to pick from. There's a lot of right answers. Like, I think this is a good one, though. This was, yeah. Yeah, you could see the look in his face. Just confusion, desperation, the madness. It's all right there in his little red eye. I love it. I went with a different one. Um, I went with page uh, 211, and it's the full-page spread. It's the end of the Mother's Day issue where Batman is crying at the grave of his mom. Mm-hmm. And he's full-on weeping, and he's he's clinging to the tombstone. Yeah. And the co- there's, and there's the full moon in the background with the clouds in front of it. The detectives looking after him. I mean, it's just – it's a really evocative image. Yeah, that's – I was going to pick a scarecrow one when he's on the horse. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've got problems with that whole storyline, man, because like he's clearly riding a horse. That's not just a thing stuff with straw oh, on there. Like I it's know. doing things. Yeah. No, you're right. That's it's the fair guess. When it turned to straw, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, you're not he... you're not playing fair anyway. <laughs> you're putting too much logic to the scarecrow character. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, so Sam yours was the same as Josh's, right? Yeah. Josh had the right answer. Right. I mean, okay, um, I had a runner-up on page 255. I'll just mention it. It's the one where he's finished um, taking out his frustration on uh, Scarecrow and the Mad Hatter, and he's standing there in that cart flexing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. That barrel you, can't, 
Yeah, you can't see too much of the cape. Um, all right, last award is best surprise, and my it's this is a weird one, but when uh, when Batman gets to Falcone's house and he sees the big rogues gallery and Catwoman is standing there with all the crazy, you know, over the top villains, all the bad people, and she's just there with him. Like I was really surprised that she she was playing the field like that. That she was on both yeah. sides. I was really surprised that she that she went that direction. So. Yeah. That's also my panel, page 321, with the villains, all the villains. That's my runner-up yeah. for full page. Yeah, that was a good one, too. I'd already mentioned a runner-up, so I didn't want to say yeah. another one, but, yeah, that one was really good. <laughs> all right, so I threw out my runner-up. But, so, yeah, my surprise was, because I, I misremembered it wrong, was that Gilda was actually the murderer. Cause that, when I remembered it, when I was telling you about it, I thought it was Alberto and Dent, Harvey, the whole time. I didn't, because I, didn't, I thought she was just getting rid of the evidence. So when I reread this again... I was thirty. Was actually Gilda. I didn't, see, I I didn't think, expect that. See, I think the audio drama I listened to. I think they played it like um, Alberto was sort of just taking the credit for it and hadn't done any of the in the mall. Like it was, and my, and my, I thought Gilda had done all of it, and Alberto yeah. was just trying to punish his dad and was maybe a little, you know, maybe his cheese wasn't his cracker anymore either, yeah. and was taking the credit for murders that he had done none of, and so, yeah. Uh, Josh, what was your best surprise? Yeah, I, I, I went with the uh, the fact that there wasn't just one or even two killers, that I think there were three people that were the holiday. Like, I, I had my suspicions about Gilda, uh, so I wasn't surprised when it was her. Uh, but then when I found out that Dent may have tried to kill Alberto, so I'm calling him a holiday killer because he tried, and then that Alberto was apparently killing some people. The fact that it was three different people, I, w- I wasn't yeah. ready for that. I, I would have bought just Gilta. I would have bought that it was Harvey. Would even bought that it was Alberto, but that it, all three of them were implicated. That that was I wasn't ready for that one. All right, y'all ready to cast this thing? Yeah. And I want to say before we get going, Josh on the air last week and off the air throughout Gilda theories, and so I'm, I'm giving him full credit. Josh was on was on to that. So yeah. Well, you did too though. So, but yeah, oh, Josh killed it. But Josh hasn't read it or heard this one. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, the cast, the first one is Alberto Falcone, the Ro- no, the Roman's kid. He never got a nickname, did he? No. I guess he didn't get to get play in the Mafia, so he didn't get a funny nickname. Uh, Sam, who's your Alberto? All right, so I went with a guy that I thought could do kind of the weird, geeky guy that was kind of awkward, so I went with Jim Parsons. Don't think Sheldon, think think like the lawyer from uh, the violent, where he was the lawyer for uh, Ted Bundy or whatever. You seen that one's on Netflix? No, I haven't watched that. Okay, but he, he has played some serious roles. If you mix that with Sheldon, I think that'd be a really good cast. All right, Josh. All right. You ready for the right answer? I'm ready. Paul Dano. I'm still in before this new Batman gets made where he's playing the Riddler. I'm grabbing <laughs> him as Alberto. He's got the look for it. He plays that kind of quiet, odd, overlooked character. Uh, I think he'd nail it. All right. Um, well, I, I know I didn't have the right answer, um, but I went with a guy that if he was going to have a big role, um, I felt like he would like still he's still nerdy enough to be Alberto, but like more like conventionally good looking that he would be more like a prominent character in a movie. I went with Jack Quaid. Um, he's he's on the boys. Um, he was in a really memorable uh, small role in Logan Lucky uh, in the Hunger Games. I felt like he mm-hmm. would sort of he would kind of sort of be a good movie version of this character. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can see playing it longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, Josh, you probably got that one. Um, he's on fire this week. Um, all right, Josh, who's your, who's your guild at the end? Uh, I'm not 100% sure on this one, uh, but I went with Aubrey Plaza. I can buy her as a serial killer. <laughs> I don't know if she can play the, the, the first couple issues where she's supposed to be the innocent housewife who's, you know, just sad about her husband working too much. I don't know how well she can pull that off. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I think that the, the last two or three issues, I think she could nail that. She played the mom in the new Chucky movie, didn't she? She did. She was in I Legion. Saw it show yet, Legion. So I don't know how, how it turned out. Okay. Well, I went with a character you used. Uh, I mean, I had an actress you used last week. Uh, Emily Browning from Sucker Punch. I feel like she would be a better fit for Gilda than, than Catwoman. So I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. She was in Child's Play. She was the mom. All right. Sam, yeah. who's your Gilda? All right. So I, I just went from looks only. She's a small kind of like, I don't know, shy almost looking woman. So I went with Natalie Portman. I kept thinking her for some reason. That's not bad. And she's I, a really good actress. She's a really good actress. I, I like her to do a role like that. Yeah. Uh, I will say there was a couple of uh, panels of Gilda's face where she's got those flat cut bangs across her forehead where I thought she looked like Dora the Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody else picked up on that. I didn't pick that. I kept seeing the uh, nail there. So uh, well, her mask got blood spatters on it. <laughs> well, she's pulling out of her backpack, but it's probably blunt and does damage. Well, if she'd been a little bit older, I think uh, Natalia Dyer would have been really good. Um, she plays uh, uh, Nancy on uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. yeah. Five years from now, ten years from now? Yeah, that's probably a good right answer. Yeah. Uh, all right, so my, the next one's Calendar Man, and I, I've got the right answer. Bill Skarsgård. All right. What's he in? <laughs> he was uh, the re- Pennywise. In the movie. Oh, um, yeah. I need to talk he, about. He, 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 he was that guy in Deadpool 2. <laughs> yeah. He does creepy really well. He does. Yeah. That's, uh, good. Uh, that's not bad. I'm oh, sorry, I was looking. So, so, for creepy, I went with James Spader. Would Tom see anything? No, I mean, not really. I'm an older looking dude. Just think of the age of Ultron, that voice he does for Ultron, because he's Ultron's voice. And if you look at how he looks now, I think he'd be Calendar Man. It'd be sure. something, a little different take on it. I think I mentioned it before. He was on the, uh, he played one of the bosses on uh, The Office in the later mm-hmm. seasons, and he played the most crazy character. <laughs> mentally unstable, not right, says weird things character, and it was so believable and kind of creepy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he would make a good calendar, man. Sweet. So you agree? Uh, I'm right. I didn't say you were right. I just oh, no, I'm right. <laughs> I got the right answer. Okay. Uh, okay. You're probably going to have to get your uh, search engines up here, but we're going with Conleth Hill. He played uh, Varys in Game of Thrones. Oh, that's all I had to say. I know who you're talking about. Guys, little spiders everywhere. Kind of looks like calendar, man. Yeah, he does. When he's in his Varus costume, where he's got the uh, shaved head and stuff, mm-hmm. he looks yeah. like him, and uh, he plays devious pretty good. Okay, all right, clear win for me. Let's move on. Um, I think so I think I won. All right, Sophia Falcone. Uh, Sam, who did you have? This was the okay. hardest one, I thought. So I went with another Game of Thrones character. Thanks for leading out with that, Josh. 
Brianna Tarth. Her name is Gwendolyn Christie. Bingo. That's who I got to. She is 6'3 and can be very intimidating. Wasn't she in one of the uh, newer Star Wars movies? She yeah, is. she's Captain Phasma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm with Gina Carano. Um, I think has, I mean, the most important thing about Sophia is her pre- her physical presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, has, I, feel, I feel like there has to be a physical intimidation factor uh, with her. And I just felt like Gina Carano, I mean, who does, who does physical intimidation better than her? I mean, she's I mean, a DeLorean, so we all picked uh, Star Wars characters. Cool. <laughs> I, thought about, I thought about picking her, but you know what? You just, you haven't seen Game of Thrones, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gina, Gina Carano isn't like she's not an amazing actress. I mean, she's she's good enough. I mean, she's not yeah. she's not embarrassing anybody on say it, but like, I mean, you might want somebody a little bit more for the, for this kind of story. So, yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't my best pick. Um, you clearly lost. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> no, that's a good pick. All right, Matt Hatter, Josh. Who's your Matt Hatter? If you got Josh, I think we all know who the right answer is. Steve Buscemi. I mean, that would be a good one. <laughs> Matt Hatter. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I wasn't thinking along those lines. Um, oh, it's not I bad. That was a good answer. No, it's not a bad answer. I just I, that I was on a different set of train tracks headed in a different direction. Um, I'm going with Eddie Redmayne uh, from Fantastic Beasts. Um, he's he's got some oh, his yeah. man. I mean, he, he seems like a really cool cool guy and all, but he's like he's got some really strange mannerisms. And I just feel like I mean, he's got that sort of diminutive look. Um, he's not a big guy, but he's just the way he doesn't make eye contact with people. Like any time, there's like a camera near him, he's not making eye contact, and he's got some some strange way his body moves. That's like he would be a, I mean, a really sort of strange person to be the Mad Hatter. I think yeah. the word you're looking for is quirky. Quirky, quirky. yes, yeah, he's <laughs> highly eccentric. Uh, I'd try to avoid the word quirky and make Sam shatter. Uh, yeah, well, this one fits. Awesome. <laughs> Quirky actor does weird stuff and all that. John Malkovich. Just okay. Different. Odd. We never had on the show. I was thinking really diminutive though. Like I, I wanted a, a smaller person. Uh, I think if you're small. trying to go realistic to the guy. art in this, yeah, you're gonna huh? have to do like mocap or something because he's he's Malkovich is a big dude. Yeah, isn't he? Is he? He's probably at least six feet. I would say. All right, Google, tell me how tall he is. Are you looking it up, Jamie? I thought you were looking it up. Uh, Sam, I thought Sam was going to make me see it. Oh. I'm, I'm looking at it. I don't care. All I right. have to look it up. If that's the phrase, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Just when it's something he's I don't care foot. about. Yeah, so my see? guy, he's saying about your guy's that tall, too, when you picked. Eddie Redmayne? Yes. Really? Yeah, he's 5'11 and three quarters is what Google says. Well, he 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 gives off a small vibe. So then I win. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Vashimi is not five eleven. Pretty sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, you finish googling that, and let's not let's not let Josh win uh, too much. Uh, so, all right. Uh, Barbara Gordon is our last one, and I went with Carla Gugino uh, from The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, this her most recent thing. And I just feel like she, she's really good at, at that sort of like warmth. Like you think about the, the way she interacted with her family on Hill House. Um, she, she can really put off that kind of warmth. But I think she kind of looks like the, yeah. the, the character here. Um, and she's just a really good actress. 
No, you're right. Yeah. That's, that's a really good answer. Yeah, I, I just, say it. I just good answer. we were talking off the air. We, I, I just started watching that, and it's yeah, she does really good in that. And, and I think first for the same reason for the, the warmth and that she was a friend with Gilda and was trying to give her advice and talk to her and all that stuff. So just for that reason only, I picked Kate Winslet. I can see her being a good friend and mother. Okay. Right, it's on. not bad. Yeah. yeah. You're still winning. It's not bad. I like your answer better. I got to get one. No, you got it. Josh killed it so far. That was right. good. All right. So we're uh, previewing next week. No. You, you, <laughs> you sure? Yeah. All right. no uh, I went mostly just off the looks on this one. Uh, and I'm thinking Helena Bonham Carter. She normally doesn't play the caring mother role, but I thought she looked like it. And I thought she would work good with uh, Giamatti. I thought they would have an interesting chemistry. She'd be a better Gilda. Yeah, I was going to say, she'd yeah. be a better Gilda. But Josh had a really good Gilda, too, though. Yeah, I'm not going to that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking yeah, no, that you're, one. You're not going to that one. Well, and okay. the, it, yeah, and, and we've got, there's a good cast somewhere in there. Like you, I mean, mm. you could really make a good movie with some of the names you threw out there. Yeah. All the names. I'm still claiming calendar, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, Josh, let's preview our next episode for us. All right. Next one, we're doing the uh, miniseries Death of Wolverine. And I'm uh, going to read the uh, comicsology summary, and it makes a uh, reference to Three Months to Die, which was a traumatic event they happened. I didn't know it tied into this, so if you've not read that, you may not know what's going on like <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, but here's a summary. All roads must end somewhere, and every hero's story eventually comes to a close. For Logan, the century-old mutant known as Wolverine, that time is now. The loss of his healing factor and the traumatic events of Three Months to Die have all led to this, the single most important X-Men event of the decade. Through the years, Logan has been a warrior, a hero, a renegade, a savage, a samurai, a teacher, and so much more. Logan has spent decades being the best there is at what he does, but even the best fade away eventually. And now the X-Men's greatest hero will play a role he's never played before in this solemn special event. So, I don't know what that three months to die is. I, I'm, apparently, this follows that up. So, <laughs> I haven't read it yet. I don't know how much we're not going to know what's going on. But I think Sam, we'll you, you've you've read all this stuff. Is it, we'll is it okay? We'll is it a standalone? Okay. Yeah, we'll be fine. Okay. Cool. So McNiven's the artist. Didn't he do Old Man Logan? Is that the same guy? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. I think I did I think open it up. I haven't read it yet, but I did open it up and I flipped through some of it, and I think the art looks really good. I think the cool. art's going to be solid. It, it yeah, looks good. And Charles, I mean Charles Soul doesn't. It's not one of like the top writers in the world or whatever. But I'll, he, he's like in that Greg Greg Pack territory. Like whenever I see Charles Soul on the cover, I know I'm going. I'm in good hands. I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. accept for like every time I read Greg Pack for this show. Like he's done two clunkers and we've covered them both. But like I mean, Charles Soule's a good writer. He tells it. He's a good storyteller. You know, he's he's entertaining. So I, I think I'm I'm excited. Well, I know I'd veered pretty hard into some of the random stuff. I'm trying to get back into some more of the Marvel <laughs> DC classic stuff, and uh, I don't think we've done enough Wolverine. We've done a lot of Batman at this point. We haven't done a lot of the X Men stuff. Uh, we've done we some, did a, but yeah, we did a lot early on. I think we sort of like you know got off of it for a while. Right. We so, really didn't do I'm bringing us back to mainstream, fellas. Yeah. We're we're doing Wolverine now. Batman right, and Wolverine you. back to back. <laughs> That's it. We're solidly mainstream now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. I think we're done here. Salute. Yep. I think so. See ya. Good night. Later.